Welcome to the MLB Coast to Coast Podcast, brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined once again by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we are back here with a Wednesday slate in baseball. It is the 9th of August, running really quickly through how we did on Tuesday night. What do we say here, Nate? Two picks and three wrong, it looks like, because we had a couple each in, in a couple of different games. Um, so, yeah, whatever. A little bit below 500 there on the start and you know less than half a unit loss. So we'll, uh, we'll pick things up here on a pretty nice slate for Wednesday. Do want to remind you guys to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. Uh, you can also head to thelines.com and check out the great content we have on the site, as well as use that odds finder tool we have for you guys. Make sure you're getting the best odds available to you from all of these books, giving us bets. Nate, let's go ahead and jump right into your first pick for today. Yeah, I got one and a half picks right in my return here yesterday. Um, right. Only missed out on the Blue Jays, when losing a one nothing game, but that under sure hit. And I will keep this Mo Mullet for y'all until I go uh, under 500 for a day. We'll see how long that lasts. That's not a huge commitment. Uh, but, you know, it's like the baseball playoff cut. Uh, so I here we it. go. Anyway, going Fire. into the biggest <clears throat> series in the AL right now, Houston at Baltimore, game two, uh, Jack Flaherty on the bump. So I like, I think this is kind of a pitching mismatch uh, in terms of the O's having a big advantage. Christian Javier going for the Astros has not been good all year. Um, so I'm going with Orioles to lead after five innings at plus 106 fan duel full unit on that. Uh, much better juice than you get on the entire money line, but I think Flaherty is just a much better starter. Also would look at the player performance doubles. Uh, Flaherty, five Ks in a win, plus 135. Six Ks in a win gets you a lot of juice, maybe a quarter unit on that. I mean, this is a classic example of a guy with a lot of talent getting traded from a tanking team to a contender and then, you know, new life. Uh, you know, his, his debut, eight Ks against a Toronto team that's really hot right now. Uh, in six innings, you know, his first four seasons with the cards, he had a 10.3 K per nine is just a really talented, hard throwing righty. And this year, you know, getting a career high ground ball rate, he's been a bit unlucky with his balls in play average. He's, he's improved his slider and curve. And that's very important against Houston, which, you know, can hit the fastball, but they're 23rd against curves and, and 17th against sliders this year. Their K rate is up a bit. In the last 30. Um, and the O's, I mean, they've, they've been great in every situation this year. They do bounce back after a loss. They do tend to handle business when they're favored. The Astros, only 34 and 30 after a win. And, and pretty much around 500 in non-division games. I mean, we know. But it's, it's really more about Javier, who has an 8.1 ERA. His last seven starts, he has a career low ground ball rate. Only 25%. And he's getting barreled up on 11% of contact here. So, I mean, it's, there's just a lot to like here in terms of the O's bats having another good game, especially after they got to Framber Valdez uh, last night, you know, and I think Flaherty's going to turn in another quality start for them for sure. I mean, he, he is a really good young pitcher. Yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm we're on this game together, uh, which is interesting in, in terms of betting it. And we're definitely both fading Christian Javier. I'll say that. Um, I, I definitely looking at, at how bad he's been <laughs> for the entirety of this season. Um, I'm also just kind of looking at um, the Baltimore offense, obviously hitting super well uh, against Javier. Actually, has hit super well against Javier the last couple times out as well. 
just focusing on Javier for a minute because I'm going over nine runs in this game. Um, and I think there's another opportunity for some offense. Like yesterday, like you said, Framber got touched up. And then, unfortunately for the Orioles, Bautista couldn't pull it out. And Kyle Tucker hit that grand slam in the ninth, uh, which was incredible at bat and, and into the game there for, for Kyle Tucker, who's freaking nasty, man. Um, and so, you know, I, I really like Kyle Tucker. There's three guys in this game that I do think will hit well against Flaherty. I said I was going to start with Javier, but I'm obviously starting with, with Flaherty here because I – I, I think between Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, Yaner, D- Yaner Diaz, all three of those dudes have some really insane expected numbers coming into this game against Flaherty because of the fact that Flaherty is um, getting barrels connected on his balls. Um, he's not missing guys the way that he was a couple of years ago. I mean, there was some great reg- uh, sort of pro- progress made for him in his first start to the point that you made when he when he came over to Baltimore. But that one game sample size, I don't. You know, I, I do believe in a little bit of like, the, like I have some some good vibes moving over to a team that's in the the race. They're first in the division as opposed to the Cardinals, right? So like, I, I get that, and I think it works. We saw it with Noah Syndergaard come out and have an outing for the the Guardians that was incredible. We saw it with Lance Lynn come out and have an incredible outing with the Dodgers uh, on his first appearance. I think there is something where you get a bit of an uplift from coming over to a team that's good after you just spent a hundred twenty games or whatever playing in the basement of whatever division you were in. So um, I think that might have been what we see with Flaherty in that kind of phenomenon and that there is opportunity for guys like the, the lefties in this lineup to crush him, to be honest with you. They have expected Wobas. All three of those dudes I mentioned, Jordan, Kyle Tucker, and, and Yaner Diaz, over uh, an ex-Woba over 365. Alvarez is at 430. An ex-slugging uh, at 530 for this game at least. Uh, Alvarez is at 621 with his expected slugging. Um, so just looking at the like heat maps and, and the way that these guys have played well against uh, the exact type of pitch mix that you're going to see from Flaherty does give me uh, some positivity in terms of the runs. I, like, like everything you said with Javier, I mean, he, his K rate's down 10% from last year. Uh, his ex-FIP is up to 511. His ex-ERA is up to 472. It's wild. He's twice as worse as he was bat last year. Like he was twice as good last year as he is this year. It's insane um, to watch him just be a completely different pitcher. His last 10 starts, we're talking about a 6-4-1 ERA. He only, the last time he won a game was on June 3rd against the Angels. And he's averaging less than five innings pitch per game in those last 10 with just 49 innings in his last 10 games, allowing more than a hit an inning. He's got eight home runs in those 50. Like, it's just, I don't know why he would be able to turn around this year. I'm not going to give up on Christian Javier as, as a good pitcher in this league in the future, but something happened this year that, that really turned things around. And so for both these teams, I'm going over nine runs. I'm even going to um, combine and parlay Jordan to get one hit. It's minus 270, but if you parlay that with over nine runs on FanDuel, you can get it to plus 105. Um, so I, I like the, the juice that you get to add Jordan. I'll put a little bit on both, but I definitely think Jordan's good for at least one hit in this one if you want to juice it up with a, a little parlay there. Yeah, I have no problem with it. I mean, the Astros are an extremely dangerous lineup, even though Flaherty did pitch well against the Blue Jays. Like, this is a bit of a of a, of a tougher matchup, a different beast. Um, Altuve's on a heater as well and, and has those good righty-righty splits. So, I mean, they could definitely pile up some runs. And <clears throat> as we saw that the O's bullpen, as good as it is, might not be able to close out against this team. So that's yeah. why, yeah, I mean, they, there's room for both things to hit, for the O's to be leading after five and for this game to go over for okay. sure. Um, but, yeah, moving on to something I'm, I'm going to hit again here, which is fade the Mets. I mean, they worked, close, baby. Close yeah. loss, yeah, very nice. They did have to use five relievers. Last night in that 3-2 loss, whereas Tayon gave the Cubs seven solid innings. 
they will be much more fresh at the back end and and they go to Kyle Hendricks here so I mean I'm just going Cubs money line once again full unit if you bet against the Mets the rest of the way uh chances are you're going to be up at the end of the season uh because of the the whole vibes around that team but I mean let's look at the matchup a little bit here Kyle Hendricks you know extremely solid pitcher I mean solid vet uh, this year, you know, season debut is lit up by the Mets, actually. But then that, you know, after that was just like sparkling all the way to the all-star break. He has a 2.8 ERA on the road this year. You know, you look at his matchups where he was, he's been hit hard. Boston, Atlanta, Yankees, uh, you know, really high power lineups. Otherwise, he's just very solid. This Mets lineup has been diminished a bit by injuries and 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 just in general, by a lack of chemistry, as we're talking about. And Hendricks is going to make you put the ball in play, right? He walks almost nobody, 3.5% walk rate. Uh, so, I, I mean, I like that to keep the Cubs, uh, to keep this relatively low scoring for the Mets. And then the Cubs lineup has been lighting it up. And, and they get the opener, David Peterson, who actually has some really bad reverse platoon splits, which is the key mm-hmm. here. I mean, lefties are hitting 320, slugging 575 hitting 2.5 homers per nine off this lefty. And the Cubs, in lefty-lefty matchups, they have a lot of lefties in there, too. Most of their best hitters are are second in Woba, second in weighted runs created plus in those lefty-lefty matchups. So uh, I think that they are going to continue to produce. They're going to stay on this heater that they've been on. It shouldn't be as much of a sweat as last night. I mean, Peterson can only go a couple innings these days, it seems. And, and, and like I said, the Cub, the Mets' bullpen a little bit more gassed after last night and and they've been pretty bad since the break in general uh while the cubs have been pretty reliable in terms of locking down games that they're ahead yeah yes to all of that they're bad uh the the vibes are low for sure in the mets in the mets uh locker room right now and uh we we really like you said fade them the rest of the way uh, there's there's nothing to feel excited about i mean what they have going for them right now is that every other game pete alonzo is going to hit well the rest of the season and uh frankie alvarez is a really really good offensive catcher that's that's the mets season in a nutshell right now that's what they have to go on those two dudes are it they don't have any lefty bats to your point um jeff mcneil ain't it love jeff mcneil so versatile crazy good athlete doesn't have any power, can't hit the ball past the outfield. So, like, we don't have any. Vogelbach, like, why is he back on this team? I'm not sure. Giorme was, like, a really nice little uplift last season. He's hurt, but it's like, we came back in this season with with the expectations that the hitting was just going to, like, be good. Um, and then and we were just going to rely on, on two 40-year-old pitchers at, you know, $90 million. So I could talk about this for a while. It's going to be really negative, but I'll just say, in short, I agree with you. And if you can get the Cubs money line at minus 116, despite the fact that Kyle Hendricks is truly the plain oatmeal of pitching. <laughs> like, I still think that he gets the job done here uh, against a really bad Mets lineup. So uh, I'm going to finish things off also in the NL East with Washington at Philly in this one again. Uh, interesting couple days or a couple games yesterday uh, for, for both these teams. The, the first game had, what, like six home runs in it? Uh, I believe the, the, the Philly scored 12 runs yesterday. Five of them came off of home, uh, 12 runs in the, in the total, and five of them came off of home runs between the two games. So with Michael Lorenzen back on, on the mound here for Philly, who looked incredible in his first start for them, and then Mackenzie Gore, who is, 
kind of the definition of, of boomer bust, to be honest, because of how well he can strike you out, but how bad he is at, at inducing outs, essentially, um, and not walking guys. Uh, I, I think there's an opportunity to take the Phillies money line here again. I mean, they probably should have won both times yesterday. This Nats team is bad, but the thing about the Nats is they do not, they just don't kill themselves. They don't strike out. They don't really make stupid errors. They really are just like a solidly not great team. They're like the Kyle Hendricks of baseball. <laughs> like they're just sort of average uh, and, and really just kind of coming out and not, like I said, doing anything awesome. But def- or not doing anything terrible, but definitely not doing anything awesome. Um, and uh, you know, as a result, like I think that Lorenzen will have enough success against a team that's in the bottom ten. They actually have the worst WRC plus against righties. Um, like I said, they don't strike out, um, but they they don't have any slugging. They don't have any OPS. They can't get the ball uh, out of the yard. And I think Lorenzen will be able to keep it down against them as well. That that's a big thing I'm looking for here with Lorenzen is um, he he's had a sort of bad ground ball percentage compared to what he normally is able to get. Only about forty two percent this year but Washington hits the fourth most ground balls in the league so I doubt that they'll be once again they just they don't beat themselves and and they'll just hit it right to these uh, infielders and, and Philly does have a top 10 defense as well this season so that's why I think Lorenzo is going to be a great pitcher here um, Mackenzie Gore just sort of fading him with the money line for the Phillies because of the fact that uh, he's in the bottom third of the league in walk rate average exit velocity and hard hit percentage and you look at these Phillies bats there's going to be an opportunity for some home runs again probably because of the fact that he gives up so much hard contact um, he's allowed 18 home runs this season. Two of them came against the Phillies already uh, in the two starts that he put up against them. 0-2 in those two starts with a 10-3-8 ERA. That is bad, Nate. Uh, and the, the opposing batters are hitting 385 against him in those two starts. So I think you continue to fade him against this team. I am going to throw Alex Baum in there. Boom. Let's call him Bohm. Uh, Alex Bohm, the, the hard-hitting first baseman for them. Well, not anymore. He's back in the outfield. But three for six with a home run versus Mackenzie Gore is the point for Alex Bohm. Bohm. Three RBIs in those in those six at-bats. He's got at least one hit in eight of his last nine and 13 of his last 15. So for him to get one hit here is like minus 300 because we are it is expected to happen. Uh, but I think that you, you take that that matchup versus the lefty uh, Gore there. And then, you know, obviously the, the money line is just it's minus 190. So I just wanted to juice it a little bit with a guy that I think is a walking hit machine right now. Yeah, I, I'm with it. I think the Phillies, you know, actually are probably safe here on the run line because of what you mm. mentioned, the the lack of consistency from Gore. Um, but I am a little bit interested in the under, though, just like predicting a little bit of regression after all those long balls. I mean, you look at Lorenzen's last start, or I mean, first start for this, again, uh, a guy revitalized by moving to a contender, right. eight innings. And that was the last time the Phillies went under um, with six runs at Miami. So perhaps a Phillies plus under hits here. Uh, I mean, you look at Lorenzen very much projected to go at least six innings to get over 17 and a half outs. So, I mean, if he's going to be that reliable and turn in a quality start. Um, I don't know if I see the Phillies offense exploding enough to get you nine runs here. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking for a yeah. low-scoring Phillies win here, uh, riding with you on that. Then you got you to gotta trust that Phillies bullpen um, for sure. Or, I'm sorry, I think they're going to try to ride Lorenzen, and then we'll eventually have to get to that bullpen. But yesterday, with Wheeler not able to go as far as he normally – he couldn't get to seven, basically. And he normally is able – a lot of times he's able to go seven because they want him to eat up – uh, innings and not because a lot of their other pitchers can't see Ranger Suarez in game two of that doubleheader yesterday where they did end up having to use the bullpen and lost 5-4. So I hope they I, I do hope that Lorenzen goes a little bit deeper in this game and I think he'll be capable of doing that which is, is really crucial for the the money line to give those those Phillies pen arms a bit of rest. So that is 
all the time that we have in this one. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. We're coming back to you the rest of this season each and every weekday. So until we see you next, happy betting.